I am Plata on the Line in Vancouver, British Columbia at thecommentary.ca. A film that's uh, playing at this year's Vancouver International Film Festival, which uh, incidentally begins today, the 1st of October, and runs until the 11th of October, is The White Fortress. It is written, directed, and produced by Igor Durlietcha, who joins me now in the film. Farouk, an orphaned young man who lives with his grandmother, lives in a suburb of Sarajevo foraging for scrap metal. He also dabbles in petty crime, trying to make some sort of life for himself. He meets Mona, a teen from an affluent family. It's a coming-of-age story set amidst the changing Bosnia, a city that has sleek paved highways and manicured show homes, yet has decrepit buildings covered in spray-paint remnants of the Cold War era. The class differences are stark, and as these two fall in love and try to find escape, we're given glimpses of life in a place that uh, Igor grew up in but has returned to for the making of this film. I'll ask him about what he wanted to show the, the viewer on the screen, as well as a story, these actors, and more. The film is available through VIF Connect between now and uh, the 11th, and there'll be uh, two screenings uh, next Saturday, October 9th, at 9 p.m. at the uh, Van City Theatre, and Monday, the 11th of October, at uh, 3.30 p.m. at the Hollywood Theatre. Visit vif.org for tickets and information. With the filmmaker Albert Shin, Igor Druliacha runs the production company Time Lapse Pictures, and he's an assistant professor in the Department of Theatre and Film at the University of British Columbia. The White Fortress had its world premiere at Ber- Berlin Alley and uh, got good notices. It is a co-production between Canada and Bosnia-Herzegovina. Visit igordruliacha.com for more. Please uh, welcome to the Plant Online program, Igor Druliacha. Mr. Druliacha, good morning. Hi, Joe. How are you? Thank you for having me. Thanks for joining us. Uh, how old is um, our, our lead character in your film, Farouk? He's uh, 17 years old. He's just fascinating to watch because, you know, he he looks young. As he looks like a kid, really. Um, but, um, he, the, you know, the way he comports himself, the situations he finds himself in life, he really is a grown-up. Um, there's so much uh, pain in his eyes there. How do you direct someone to look the way they're well, supposed I mean, to look? Right. I, I, he's, he's an experienced actor. So one thing about this film is that, we, we we had some professional actors and we had non-actors who've never acted before and had to have some a little bit a little bit of a practice and um, sort of like certain techniques that to 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 try. Um, whereas with with Pavel Chemerikic, who played Farouk, mm-hmm. he's somebody that already has about five years of acting experience. He came into it as as a as a child actor at the age of fourteen, and he's like one of the few sort of child actors in that region uh-huh. in. in um, in uh, sort of Serbo-Croatian, Bosnian-speaking uh, region, and um, he, I, I sort of like followed his career uh, after he was in, in, in uh, a film called uh, No One's Child from Serbia in 2014, and I, I always wanted to kind of try casting him for this for this role um, because this script this this script took a very long time to kind of. Uh, Get funding for uh-huh. so so like he I always had him in my back pocket and I just hoped he was available when we were ready to shoot. Yeah, he, there's um, as I mentioned a moment ago. There's there's you can see the pain in his eyes of the, the things that he's been through, the character's been through, and and that is that, that the character is going through. But then you know there's there's a moment when when he's at the mall uh, when he meets uh, Mona for the first time, and you can see the charisma that he has. And 
it, it seems, um, I don't know, as a director, what was that like to work with? I mean, it, it, with him, it was pretty, uh, it, it was very rewarding. It was, he, he kind of gets into his characters by spending the time in the city. He was reading uh, literature written by Sarajevo authors. He was like watching films, uh, trying to spend time in that, in, in the spaces that his character would actually uh, visit. So he he he, he kind of moved to Sarajevo almost a month mm-hmm. before we started filming. So his process was to kind of get a feel for uh, the space itself, and then then kind of uh, imitate um, through both experience and and sort of. Uh, Things he's seen, uh, this 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 this, this uh, character that he uh, created. Uh, I I was there for like kind of giving him the 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 background the background um, the, the sort of he was born into the middle class and yeah. as the middle class is sort of like slowly disappearing in in, in Bosnia. Uh-huh. Um, it it was it was um, it was it was a, it was sort of very kind of. Easy to work with somebody who was so dedicated to a, to a role, um, and as he was sort of he breathed the film. He's he's almost never seen. Yeah. Um, it, it he needed he needed to have that that life that that internal sort of uh, lived experience. Uh-huh. And as somebody who was coming from another city, he was living in Belgrade. Um, like just get, the the my main sort of concern was just. Uh, not getting those details of of, um, of of youth from some of these neighborhoods in Sarajevo yeah. uh, accurately, mm-hmm. uh, but he kind of he kind of captured that uh, fairly seamlessly, and even had like a dialect coach uh, to help him rehearse on the dialect, the specific dialect that they use in Sarajevo. So it was uh, it was um, it. it, it, it it was a very kind of easy. It was like one of the easiest directing sort of assignments uh, in terms of working with somebody of that caliber, um, who kind of really dedicates himself into exploring uh, th- the inner world of his character. Yeah. So Mona is our is our uh, our, our lead uh, female character in the film. Uh, how old is she? She's she's younger than than he is, isn't he? Is, she's isn't fourteen. She? Yeah. yeah. Um, the sort of family that that she comes from, it's fascinating as I'm watching the film, because we see the the class divide in the society there. It's quite stark. Um, people like her and people like Farouk don't usually intermingle, do they? No. You have this sort of fascinating uh, environment in, in, in post-war Bosnia where once, you know, the peacekeepers uh, sort of left, there's still like a small contingent uh, through the OHR and like some of these international bodies. Once the war ended, uh, there was this like fragmentation of, of society, not just like along ethnic lines, uh-huh. but this little encroachment of like Western values, this wild form of capitalism. Um, a lot of the state enterprises started being privatized. Uh, there was like these new kind of um, methods to entrench yourself and become wealthy in that space, and it's mostly to do with the bureaucracy through the political sort of sphere. Mm-hmm. So the people that that really kind of are um, powerful in that system are the ones that are kind of intertwined with the bureaucracy, which is like one of the most complicated bureaucracies in the world um, because of the, the peace treaty that was signed. Mm-hmm. So you have these divides between these uh, among the youth, and most 
young people are like in fairly precarious situations, like their parents are not well to do. Mm-hmm. But somebody like Mona, who's sort of like you have like a like a city within a city kind of uh, uh, system where like the the rich kids go to completely different schools. Uh, a lot of instruction is in English, like in the movie. Yeah. Um, they're almost like prepared. They're being prepared to leave, right? They're being prepared to, you know, go to uh, go to immigrate uh, to um, Canada, to Europe, Germany, uh, UK, Sweden, wherever wherever the case may be. And the young people uh, that are on the opposite side, they likewise are sort of trying anything to kind of make sense of this sort of new reality. And a lot of them all are also leaving. Bosnia yeah. has like one of the largest um, uh, population um, decline rates in the world. Like, yeah, that was a, I mean, yeah. seventy-five to a hundred thousand uh, people leave. Like they leave, they, they leave for other countries, and if the country only has like three point, maybe three point yeah. four at this point, three point three. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was going to ask about as I was watching the film, the uh, you know the the, the shots of uh, the characters on on uh, his motorcycle or, or going through the city, and I was wondering where all the people were, and I, I thought, well, maybe, maybe he shot an early morning or you know, right? Yeah, but, it was but like a Sunday shoot, right? Yeah, <laughs> but but I guess that's that's what that's what's happening in in Sarajevo, isn't it? Well, Sarajevo, I mean, pre-pandemic, we shot this just before the pandemic started, yeah. so like fall uh, of uh, twenty nineteen. Mm-hmm. Um, so Zarebo is quite busy, like in terms of it's a very sort of tourist, um, it's very tourist in orientation. Yeah, There's yeah. a lot of people coming that, to that space in the summer. But then like kind of in the fall season, like the tourism uh, mm. sort of fades away. Yeah, yeah. So it, it, it's not as busy. When we were filming, it became not as busy, like other than like sort of local um, people that, that sort of reside in that space. It, it's not super, super busy. And it never... Like the 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 city itself never had the same population that it had pre-war, right? Like in terms yeah. of the numbers, uh-huh. that number has never returned. So you see buildings being built, you see investments, you see like the transformation of the city, but at the same time, there isn't like uh, there isn't that much um, growth in terms of like opportunity. Yeah, and. I was somebody who, who was who, who, like I was born in that city, and I came to Canada as, a, as an immigrant, uh, as a ten-year-old boy, and um, like there was always this hope that things will be fixed sure. uh, through this sort of like this nation-building yeah. approach. But that never came to fruition. Like yeah. the, the the peace treaties designed by foreigners that are sort of like implemented and kind of forced on people there are, are kind of. Um, uh, they're good for the headlines, but they don't really make much of an impact. Um, yeah, really. yeah. You, you see, you know, these 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 paved highways and and, and sleek gated homes um, in your film, and, and then yeah, you yeah. you also see, you know, apartment buildings that, that look like from a they're from a different era with with you know spray paint all over them, and and um, these differences are are, are so um, vast that. Um, I found it almost claustrophobic as I was watching the film, um, right? <laughs> because I'm, I'm seeing two different kinds of people, and 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 um, 
it, it, you know, you say so much in, in, in a shot or in, in the silence even. Uh, but by the way, in, in terms of the design of the film, what was that like to do? I mean, because it, it looks, you know, remarkable to watch, you know, as I was watching The White Fortress. Um, you know, even Farouk's grandma's apartment and, and um, you know, all the places that we see in the film that apartment building where the guys in the balcony um it, it almost looks like it it's um these these places are made up were were they they were i mean some of the stuff existed and we kind of worked work our way uh by kind of enhancing the specific look uh-huh. um uh, it started off like you know fairly early in the in the uh pre-production process in terms of like me kind of you know, working with the production designer, Sanda, and, and the DP at all to kind of get the um, the generational sort of aspect of, you know, the furniture, mm-hmm. of, the decor- de- of the decoration, of, like, how people from these different eras. So the grandmother is this sort of this last remnant of that communist period, right? Like, yeah. you know, the, 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 the embroidery, the, 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 the drapes, everything had that kind of, Sort of, you know, 70s and 80s quality that a lot of homes, middle-class homes in uh, pre-war Yugoslavia had, and and then we kind of, uh, you know, had a very modern take on uh, how like a modern sort of upper-middle-class wealthy home would would would, would look yeah. uh, with with a lot of you know fine uh, clean modern yeah. sort of lines, glass, a lot of light. Um, and it, there were things that were or, they're already there. Like, that's sort of how people approach uh, and how they live. So we just kind of had to enhance it, just kind of play around with emphasizing certain things uh, uh, and giving the space a character and, in turn, having it feel like it's a lived-in space. Yeah. The, um, the, the, the role of film, um, the, the, the imagination, if you will, um, by the way, what's that film that's shown in your movie that, that Farouk watches? Right. Uh, it's Walter Defense It's this famous film, um, a partisan era film, uh, that, that's one of the most famous sort of, uh, films in the, in the, um, uh, you know, South, uh, Southeastern Europe, sort mm-hmm. of canon, mm-hmm. uh, so former Yugoslavia and, in China, in Iran, and in some of these countries, became super popular in the 70s. And it's really about, like, this sort of struggle uh, of, of the partisans, this quiet struggle of the partisan resistance uh, during occupied Sarajevo in uh, in the 40s, 1940s. And even though I don't, you know, deal with the recent war in a direct way with the Bosnian Civil War, uh-huh. it's this sort of, like, there isn't really that one person that's sort of resisting this new occupation. And this new occupation of Sarajevo or, or of Bosnia is this kind of very complicated uh, sort of cabal of, like, international elements, Serbia, Croatia, yeah. uh, Turkey, uh, that that kind of don't give that space uh, 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 the, ab- the ability for these you know, young people, young generations to thrive, in part because, like, identity politics is still a big factor in, in how you run that place right like yeah. ethnically yeah, right yeah. like are you are you uh bosniak uh are you serbian are you croat and um like 
it will be the equivalent of uh, saying Canadians have no rights in Canada. Mm-hmm. Only people that identify themselves as British Columbia, Albertan, mm-hmm. uh, Quebecois have have rights. That's sort of the equivalent system they have. Yeah. So only if you if you identify um, uh, with one of the ethnic groups do you get access to a lot of other opportunities, whether it be political office, opportunities at other jobs, because they use this kind of ethnic key system for running the place. And it's a super backward um, sort of um, approach, and it doesn't seem... There have been attempts to try to to change it. So young people instead, like, they just sort of, like, give up. Like, I, I can't operate in that system. Like I have to constantly be tied to a political party that's affiliated with one ethnic group, yeah. and it's 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 it, it's um it's debilitating. Yeah, yeah. They, they, I mentioned the the film. Um, the the grandmother talks about uh, watching soap operas. Um, they both uh, watch this video of um, Farouk's mother playing um, in a concert. Um, there's a lot of watching going on, and and uh, I guess the mind wanders. Uh, to a different place, a better place sometimes. Um, exactly. It, it really is. A, those are very powerful moments I found. I mean, they're quiet moments that, that um, I understood a lot of the characters better, I guess, when you depict them in these situations. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the sort of the. Uh, I always sort of go through this process of like, what is their lived experience and mm-hmm. trying to understand, you know identifying their character through through acts on screen mm-hmm. um, even like you know the song that they listen to the the the, um, the films that they tend to like or in the repetition of a, of a certain act right yeah so yeah I, I, I um, because the film is quite subtle in that way like trying to work with those things was was was, uh, was sort of like an interesting um, uh, was an interesting challenge and also like figuring out the rights of, like, what can you use, what can't you use. Mm. There are a lot of dogs in the film. We, we see them in various places, various states. Um, the, the characters in the film also bark like dogs in one scene. Um, mm-hmm. is, is there something specific that we need to know about dogs in, in that culture, say? Uh, in terms of, like, like, the, like, a, like a cultural framework for the dogs, yeah. like, dogs are sort of forever present in that space um in in like i don't want to spoil too much sure like they're just sort of like a metaphorical kind of thing that i was playing with um this this sort of symbiosis of reality and dream states that like happens and the 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 dog is sort of an important element within that yeah so but in terms of dogs themselves there was um the relation that I have with dogs in Sarajevo in particular is that I grew up when there was a lot of violence being committed against dogs. Mm. And there's also like this, you're always made to fear dogs. Like they're like as a young, as a young child, you're always made to fear these street dogs because there's so many. And they would essentially just like um, capture them and then, uh, deal with them, and then like there were these, there were these amnesty clause, uh in, in recently NGOs that started working with uh, protecting animals, uh-huh. and they started creating these safe havens for their dogs. But they so people from other parts of Bosnia would sort of like just dump dogs 
into the city because mm. it was safe. And then uh, they were they were later uh, neutered, and they had they had like a system in place to kind of control the population. But then, like when that kind of disappeared, when the interest in that waned, yeah. which it has recently, um, they're kind of like proliferating everywhere again, right? So it's mm. like a, there's this there's this kind of passenger effect that dogs I feel have in that space, where like they're like a constant presence, and then there's something gone. There's like almost no dog. Yeah. Uh, because they've controlled the population, and then they're like ever present again. Yeah. So that was sort of the, the the background for that. So, so the film is called the White Fortress. It's called the White Fortress in English. Is is that the same title in in? Um... Tabia, yeah. So Tabia yeah. is like the the fortress that overlooks Sarajevo, this this ancient sort of Ottoman structure that um, was a lookout point uh, when when other troops would be crossing the Danaric Alps. It's like a tourist site at this mm-hmm. point. Yeah. Um, it was like really poorly kept. Uh, I think they're trying to do a better job of, of keeping it. Now it's like a protected zone. So shortly after we shot, like they gated it. <laughs> yeah. Um, but before you could just access, I mean, it's like it was a place where a lot of young people would meet up and like drink and make out and like, um, you know, do all sorts of teenage yeah. stuff. And um, but yeah, since then it's it's been. Um, I think just before the pandemic, they kind of uh, tried to protect it. Yeah. So, so speaking of making out, there's a scene where uh, Mona and Farouk um, go there, and it, it, it's such a um, a brilliant shot of of um, you see them sitting there, and they both lean into uh, lean into one another as the sun setting, and then as they lean into one another, the the, the sun disappears from the screen and. One moves back, and then you see the sun again. The camera rises, and then you see the sun set, and then the moon rises, and then the the camera falls down again, um, just to signal, I guess, a new day, if you will. Um, it, it's just t- tremendous to watch, and, and congratulations on on such a great shot. What was that like to shoot? Because I found that one of the more more powerful moments in the film. I mean, it was like in, it involved like a lot of tricks. So you know, there was like a like a camera was actually just mounted on the top of the mountain on like a crane uh-huh. for like 10 plus hours. And yeah. then there was like compositing that was done in post-production to kind of make it seamless. Yeah. So yeah, it was, uh, we had like a VFX supervisor, um, Eric, who, who, uh, kind of made it all like seamlessly transition between, um, these different shots that were kind of framed, uh, and shot during different moments in time. Uh-huh. Well, what was it? Um, because it, it, it's great to see on on the screen. Um, how did you see that in your head, and did it translate into the film? Um, we, it, more or less, yeah. yeah. Like it, it took a. It was one of those things that was like the last thing that we finished because mm-hmm. it was. We we tried so many. Uh, we had so many attempts. Uh, and with like with almost any kind of uh, shot that in, involves visual effects or some element of um, sort of aiding in the in the in the shot that's actually filmed, um, it, it's like it's it's there's like always like a trade-off, right? Like in terms of what you can do and what you can't do. Mm-hmm. And we, I I I would say it's almost like how almost how I imagined it. Um, you 
you can't obviously you can't control some aspects of it, mm-hmm. but um, I'm I'm not going to share what those are. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, okay. Um, but but it, it is a hell of a thing to see. Um, Sarajevo is a city that you know well. Um, it, it's different, obviously, from when you live there as it is now. A lot has happened in between as well. Um, what did you want to show us, the viewer, about this place? Well, it's, this, it's, a, it's like a magical place in many ways. It's like, you know, this sort of, this, this naive romantic notion that I associate with that place. It's, it's a bit more complex. And this, this idea, you know, of everybody creating their own reality in this space, in, a, in an environment that doesn't offer you a chance to actualize your dreams. You, 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 uh, uh, you have all these kind of individual competing dreams and these attempts at, you know, finding this, um, uh, both this balance, but also this connection. So, for example, in like pre-war Bosnia, these kinds of class divides would not be that extreme, mm. and you wouldn't have, you know, like the boy from that neighborhood would not be looked down on the same way that they're looked down on today. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, and that neighborhood was not a bad neighborhood. And it, it's right now it's going through gentrification again, and that neighborhood is becoming expensive again. So it's like, mm. it's like a fascinating evolution of how cities kind of move and breathe. Yeah. Um, and that's sort of this, this kind of what happens to a place that goes through this transformation and how love and like these very kind of universal um, uh, emotions, how they too get transformed uh, in in by the by the by those factors around them like how in a different time this love could be returned and could 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 potentially you know uh, find more fulfillment mm-hmm. but because of this moment in time in bosnia it, it is what it is yeah um what was it like for you to go back there and and, and work there it was um it was like it was interesting um there was because we had some crew from Canada, uh-huh. and we had some crew who did not speak the language. So just like keeping the 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 character of the set as as like as 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 as, as much in English as possible was sometimes a challenge just to get everybody on the same page. Uh-huh. Um, but like you're filming some scenes in English, but most scenes in, in Bosnian. So what happened is is just this my brain had to kind of operate in, the, on, in both languages constantly, which is, which is like an interesting, interesting challenge to have. Mm-hmm. Usually when I would make a film, either in the Canadian context, I would sort of, you know, put on my hat and just kind of operate, operate in English. And then like when I'm in Bosnia, I would just operate in, in the Bosnian language. But here I had to kind of mix and match, um, which, which proved to be uh, fine. Um, and like the, the, the crews there are like super professional. Like there's a lot of, other films that kind of service uh, their 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 shoots there, mm-hmm. so it's very tiny, like the, the 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 industry there. But like the the crews that that do work there are like you know, you know from Yasmila's film for example that was nominated for for the for the Oscar last year. Like mm-hmm. we had a lot of the same crew members and some of the same act- actors as a lot of these other Bosnian filmmakers work with. So it was a it was a it was a challenge that 
that was very rewarding. And I think um, it was a fairly, like I wouldn't say easy shoot, mm -hmm. but it was a shoot that didn't have too many problems. Like we had like pretty good weather. Mm -hmm. We had, you know, crew that got along. Um, and we we kind of had the, had, had sort of the wind, yeah. uh, the wind by our side, so to speak. Yeah. It, it's a, a beautiful film to watch. By the way, did you teach at UBC full-time? I do, yeah, yeah. So I moved to Vancouver uh, three years ago, uh -huh. and uh, I, I, I'm, I'm 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 based out of Vancouver right now. I still do work uh, uh, in the production company that I have with Albert Chin uh -huh. in Toronto, but most of my time is in Vancouver. Um, in terms of, of being a, a prof uh, in in a film department, um, are you are you one of these profs that 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 have say a list of things that that students must watch and I'm, I'm curious to know if you know what, what what a film student or film scholar should see I mean the I have a list of films that I kind of uh, share with them yeah uh, but it does get updated constantly um, and it's sort of up to them if they if they are interested in watching it um, and depending on the on the on the uh, the class itself because a lot of the a lot of the undergrad courses for example we spent a lot of time with uh, short films mm. so them watching features is useful only up to up to up to um, a certain point uh like you need to kind of understand the short form because it has its own function and um so yeah we spend a lot more time watching uh, uh short films uh but for like graduate courses and stuff yeah it's like a mix uh of, of, of both and um yeah it, it's it's uh I'm not a big, I'm not a, like, in terms of, like, film canon, uh -huh. I think film canon is an evolving thing. I think the idea that we should attach ourselves to, like, you know, just a trend, one trend, is, I think is dangerous. Yeah. Um, and I think opening up that space for, for other voices is really important. Yeah. What, um, was there a film that, that, um, that that you had in the back of your mind as you were making the White Fortress that that you were trying to I don't know em emulates the right word but were, were were there things that sort of inspired you as you were making the film? Well, there's like a lot of stuff. So you know the work, which is very kind of interesting because these these some of these directors are kind of separated uh, quite a bit in terms of language, yeah. um, like in terms of film language. Um, everything from like David Fincher to like Tarkovsky <laughs> uh. um, to to um, uh, to you know, Paul Warhoven, like there's a lot of um, uh, even Brisson. So like there's a lot of kind of things in the film that uh, I was negotiating, right? Mm -hmm. so that's like the because it is a thriller at, at the, at the, at the, as a core yeah. concept. It is a thriller. It has a coming of age romance component to it, but it is a thriller, and it does have a, a fairy tale component. So trying to kind of align these elements. Um, was 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 tricky at times, um, and you know it. It's like a constant negotiation where I think certain scenes are inspired by certain directors uh, or certain sort of approaches, um, and then eventually you have to let go of that. I think if you're too tied up in like thinking about how exactly this reference mm -hmm. works on in this in this. On, in this film, uh, it, it, it um, is not entirely helpful because I think it should just sort of evolve. It should, it should, you can be inspired and then it can ha then have it evolve. 
and kind of take a life of its own. Igor, I've enjoyed uh, speaking to you today. Um, uh, th- this film is a, a very fine achievement. Congratulations on it and continued good luck with it. I appreciate your time today. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Have a great day, too. Igor's website is at igordrulyacha.com. The White Fortress is available for streaming uh, through uh, VIF Connect between now and uh, October 11th, and there will be two in-person screenings, October 9th, Saturday at 9 p.m. at the Van City Theater, and Monday the 11th of October, 3.30 p.m. at the Hollywood Theater. Visit viff.org for tickets and information. Igor Drulyacha, join me on the line from here in Vancouver. I'm Joseph Planta.